0: This call is being recorded.
1: You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As most of you know, this will be Friday's episode. Um, Just with the state of the 2020 season with COVID, we wait till Friday night to record our pregame shows. We just try to get you guys the most accurate information we possibly can. Um, And right now, the excitement for all you Browns fans is palpable. Um, I tell you right now, we could tell you we would drop the show at, you know, Saturday morning at 4.45 a.m. And a bunch of you would be around for it. Um, But again, you guys know the drill. We've been doing that for about five, six weeks now. Um, with COVID, with injuries, but just trying to get you guys the most, you know, best we can to get you into pregame shows. So, sneaking in extra shows over the last few weeks have opened up some great, great opportunities to get some more guests on here. Um, Monday morning, obviously a lot of excitement, um, you know, from all you Browns fans going through the lockdown Browns Twitter follows. Oh, here was an interesting name that popped up and somebody that, you know, I've been a admirer of. I'm a little bit older. I remember the career. Former Rose Bowl MVP, former. Cleveland Brown throws it down on the grill does a great job down on 790 uh down in South Florida where it's warm and you can golf more former Cleveland Browns running back Mr. Leroy Horde. Leroy how are you doing sir I'm
0: good man how's everything
1: uh we're doing good uh I mean right now uh, you you cannot shake this buzz right now Leroy we're doing victory Wednesday we're doing victory Thursday we're gonna ride this party for all she's got
0: the only thing different is that that first playoff game was at home. But other than yeah. that, guess what? I, I'll be honest with you. I'll trade that win at home for that beat down to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. Um, and, look, we've talked about this for years um, with this franchise. Um, when is it going to be real? When is it going to be real? Um, when you can supplant Pittsburgh. Um, and the other thing is when you can supplant – Ben Roethlisberger, seeing him, you know, obviously with some tears in his eyes, sitting on that bench Sunday. I mean, I'm not sure where anything's going, and I'm not trying to predict anything. But for me, that kind of looked like a guy who maybe said, man, this might have been my last, last, you know, run at this. Um, You know, normally you walk off, all right, we'll amp it up, you know, get yourselves ready, and I don't know. But to me, Leroy, that looked like a guy who maybe had some really, really deep thought on maybe that was his last hurrah.
0: Um, I maybe it, it could have been some of that, but but I look more at sometimes the disappointment has nothing to do with that, but more to do with how you lost. Like he threw for 500 yards and they weren't even close because every time they got close, the Browns rammed it down their throat and scored again. So when you see the response of that Browns offense, you see the response of the defense stopping them on on key downs. um, And you realize that we're not beating this team today. That is probably the most uh, difficult thing to accept. You know, when you're in a game, you know, you're doing everything you can, but you have no answers for the team across from you. And I think that's what Pittsburgh was going through because every time it got close. I'm telling you, big play, a a big play. Somebody made a play. They played poise. I I was most impressed with, we have a a lot of guys on the Browns that are very emotional players. Everybody kept their poise. They're for business. Um, We have a quarterback who has been known to run his mouth a little bit. The last year and a half, he's grown. He's business as usual. Uh, We have a running game. I I, I do believe this. If you can run the ball and stop the run, you can play football anywhere in the universe. And the Browns run the ball, one of the best running teams. They have a a tandem in Kareem Hunt and and Nick Chubb. Um, Baker is making plays when he has to. Um, Is there a tougher receiver in the league than Jarvis Landry? Uh, you got Peebles Jones. He's, he's kind of, look, he he's making plays every now and then you got Higgins, you know, everybody's, you know, making plays when they need to make plays. And it's a sign, you know what, it's a sign of a good football team. That's it. They're like, you can say what you want. They started off a little slow. And why tell people this, they went into the season with a new football coach, a new system on offense and defense, new uh, new coaches all around, right? No offseason, no preseason. You just got right into football. So they started off a little slow. That happened to a lot of teams. But as the season went on, you see them get better and better and better. And that offense start clicking more and more and more. And while Pittsburgh got off to that great start, when December hit, they start struggling, and Cleveland and Pittsburgh were going in two different directions. And I tell you this, and I will say this, as long as I've been or uh, be in sports. If you have a chance to knock your rival out, you knock them out. End of story. The fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers disrespected the Browns by saying, don't worry, we'll get you next week, they got what they deserved. 100%.
1: And apparently for a, a team that's, you know, making vacation plans, there still seems to be running their mouths, um, you know, Chase Claypool. Um, look at this point. You just play the bigger role. That's all you got, guys. That's fine. Look, we ain't got time for this. Yeah, uh, we got to get, get, get ready. We got a trip.
0: Yeah, we got, we got a trip to Kansas
1: City. I can't get into this little social, yeah. social media stuff with you guys right now. We're a little bit busy. Right. Um, but say that now. You look at uh the way it went down Sunday night. I mean, you know, Coach Stefanski in his first year, and all that he's done. Okay, you get the news after you know securing the playoff. All right, he's out. Uh, yeah, Joel Batonio's out too with COVID. Uh, Olivier Vernon who was playing like a man possessed for the second half of the 2020 regular season. Oh yeah. He's out too. Um, Denzel Ward. We're going to know about anywhere within the first, the 10 minute mark of actually kicking this game off. Oh, yep. Yeah. He's out too. Um, and just to see and for me, this is <clears throat> the win is fantastic. And even if they had just shown up and played 60 minutes with the Steelers, but you see like the cut of what this team is and, and where they're headed. And look, the fact that, that maybe to this party a year early, well, look, we ain't going to complain. We're all cool with that. Um, but you see, this is something that's sustainable um, because, you know, how do you view people, how do you view you know, teams, franchises, business? You view them when they are, you know, the chips are down. They're at their lowest. And, you know, when everybody says, well, you know what, it's understandable if they can't get this. They didn't get it done, Leroy. I mean, a bad snap in my in my first – and the former running back in you – what is James Conner or Ben Roethlisberger doing? You smack the ball out of the end zone. Just take the two points there. And right. Sacrifice the safety. Go on from there. Uh, and then it just, it, I mean, like you couldn't, like Browns fans could have said, all right, well, this will do that. This, this would be perfect, right? I mean, oh, stop, dude. That's not going to happen. Right. And then MJ Stewart, one-handed intercept. I mean, it was an absolute blitzkrieg. And for most people, before they got to their second cocktail, the game was 28 to nothing. And oh, one still, no head coach. No head coach, a bunch of people, everybody missing. You literally did. And I didn't even mention they barely practiced to come out and put together a performance like that. As great as that win is for me, Leroy, the one thing I take away from it is this is this is this is is the future of this franchise. There is a legitimate window here to be good now. And this is where it's going to get a little wonky for Browns fans. This is now what's going to be expected for the next few years. It's not going to be, oh, man, if we could maybe flirt with the playoffs. Now, that's out the window. This right. should be something that's pretty regular for the next few seasons. Right. One
0: of the things that people overlook is usually when the head coach is out, you either have the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator take over. But I ask you this, what coach on the team has – the most interaction with every player besides the head coach. Mm -hmm. So that means that if the special teams coach takes over and he needs to go talk to a linebacker, he's probably had that linebacker in the special teams room. If he goes and talks to somebody on the offensive line, a backup maybe, he's definitely (laughs) had that guy in his room. He has a relationship with that guy. So the communication of that team looks sound. The one thing that I was most impressed with, when you get to that level, to that stage of football, the one thing that will kill you more than anything is boneheaded penalties, careless mistakes on drives, and the Browns had none of that. Now you're talking about backups. You're talking about different coaches. You're talking about different guys calling plays. And they played almost mistake-free football. That is a testament to your head coach that he can go and sit in his basement and watch his <laughs> team play a football game, and it looked exactly like it would if he was there. Now, after that game, the way that game was played, did you know Kevin Stefanski wasn't there? Did you know Olivier Vernon wasn't there? Did you know the two offensive linemen weren't it? No, you didn't. That's the sign of a good team. When you think about it, it's all talk. Next man got to step up. Next man got to step up. Is there a team that's going into a game of this magnitude with the things that have happened to them and played that well? Like, look, and guess what? You had a built-in excuse. Nobody would, have, nobody would have said, oh, man, I wish they could have got a good week of practice. I mean, I had Browns fans telling me, well, at least if they compete and stay close, I'm going to still be okay because I know they didn't practice. They didn't have their coach. They had to move some stuff around. But no, they went out and played as if everybody was available and never missed a beat. And if there's one thing that I took from that game, it was that part of it. Because as a Browns fan, and being in Cleveland, you guys have trained me. When the score was 28-0, I got even more nervous. Right? <laughs> Tell me you did Absolutely. Uh, it's, wait, there's two minutes left to go in the first quarter? I'm already looking at it. Because now we're just
1: up. pissing them off. Like, now <laughs> we're just really aggravating them right. and they're really yeah. angry.
0: Right. So, so uh, <laughs> kudos to that organization, to that coaching staff, to those players. I mean, um, there's very few teams that could overcome what they had to overcome during the course of the week and not only compete, but play dominating football from start to finish. There was never a doubt. It got close, but there was never a doubt who was going to win that football game. And so from that standpoint, man, I tip my hat off to, to the men Uh, I tip my hat off to the coaches, to the organization, uh, to be able to just put it all together. And and that's a sign of, you know what? It didn't look so good the first week of the season. Now we're in the 17th week of the season. We're almost with a finished product. Now you got to play Kansas City, who is proven, who has shown they can win every type of football game. So what you do, you make them play your style of football. Hey, Mahomes, with the cute left-handed passes and and the rollouts and all this, let's play physical football. Let's play physical football let's see let's see if we if if we get after you a little bit, we get in your kitchen a little bit. Let's see defense. It's easy to play when you got Patrick Mahomes because all you need to do is is rush the quarterback. You don't have to worry about a team running the football because you always have a lead. Well, let's see if we you know get a little dirty in the trenches. Let's see if we get a little physical with you let's see if we can you know sustain drives against you if it doesn't wear you down then we control your offense with our offense because your defense is tired so like yes it can happen don't don't let's don't act like we haven't seen this movie before where a high-powered team gets i played on one i played on the minnesota Vikings that were 15 and one and scored more points than anybody in the history of the NFL. We lost two games, and both of them because the game was within seven points. You know why? Because when we lost to at Atlanta, they were more physical than us. As long as you've been watching football, Tampa may not have won, have not won a many games early on, but they were always a physical football team. We lost that physical football team. So every time I see a team playing against these high-powered offenses, I think this. If the other team can run the football and dominate the line of scrimmage and defensively get in the face of their quarterback and make him feel that pressure, oh, you got an unbelievable – you got a chance. You got a chance. Nobody – look, think about last year. We've seen this movie with Derrick Henry. How far they got in the playoffs? Just running the football? Hell, they won a, a, a playoff game, quarterback threw eight passes. Don't tell me it's not possible. So anybody who thinks that whoever that that, that young player was from Pittsburgh, you, you can't complain about what another team gonna do the next week when they beat you to get to that week, but that's a whole nother story, right? You can't tell me it's not possible. You can't tell me they don't have a chance. You know, if it gets in the shootout, all right. You know. That, that, that's Kansas city's wheelhouse. But if it's a physical run, the ball down your throat, tire your defense out. Right. You do that for three quarters in the fourth quarter. You're going to be able to do what you want. We just saw that this past week. The Browns did what they wanted to do. Hey, Kareem, Hunt, you want to run? Yeah. I got this one. Right. I'm gonna go get this one. (laughs) Nick, you're fresh. Yeah. Hey, Jarvis, it's third down. Baker, go make a play, third and 12, no pressure. Because you, you done wore the defense out. So do the Browns have a chance? Absolutely. I always say, don't worry about what you saw last year. This is a new year. Circumstances change.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, folks, we're having a blast here with Leroy uh, Leroy Horde. A couple more questions I want to ask them about, you know, again, where this franchise is, where they are headed Continue with us as uh, we take you through your Friday Locked on Browns. Leroy, we've talked for years on this show. Uh, I've been hosting Locked on Browns since September 2017 about the recipe uh, of getting it right. Um, You played, obviously, in a different area. And there was a lot more of coach said, player, you do this. And player was not allowed to say, well, coach, what about this? No, you do it because I'm the coach. we've talked about how that needed to change. Um, You've mentioned, uh, you know, obviously you have children. Um, We all understand that these kids today are more intelligent than we were. They are exposed to so much more. They have such a huge grasp and ability to have more knowledge. Um, So that old theory of I'm coach, this is why doesn't work anymore. And I really think, and looking back more to Sunday night, um, and how everybody said, well, you know what, coach ain't here, you know, like similar to one of your kids, mom ain't home right now. Well, we're still going to act like mom's home. And how do you do that? And I go back to the summer um, when, you know, the social injustice talk was peaking up, well, you know, was, was obviously you know, getting lo- larger and larger and coach Stefanski speaking on it and saying to all of his players, you have a platform. We're going to back you in whatever you do. We want you to do this. We want you to stand up for what you think is right. And players, obviously, were given the opportunity they did. You flash forward five months later where this franchise is in a tough position in a playoff game without their head coach, without some key, key players. It makes me think of that whole theory of, well, just because mom ain't home doesn't mean we don't normally go about Mm -hmm. our business. And why did it maybe come to fruition like it did? Because it is a structured organization from the front office to the coaching staff to the players where everybody's on the same page and even if there's some spots they're not on the same page they agree to you know be flexible and understand and that's how you get into a position like you did Sunday night and you pull something like this off because it's not fake what coach Stefanski said to these players and literally having these players at the open the uh, open scrimmage open scrimmage that nobody was at handing the players the microphone, say what you feel you want to say, let people know what you truly feel. And I think that won over that locker room and granted at that time, it had only been a couple of weeks. They had all been together because as late as training camp got to start, but I really, really think that is how this team ended up where they are now and ended up succeeding Sunday night in such a bad, bad spot down so many people, but the unification and understanding that everybody And it's always, oh, we got your back. It's great. Sometimes it's quote unquote. You really feel
0: like this franchise, top to bottom, everybody's got each other's back. You know what that's called? Culture. The culture has been changed in the organization to where now players feel comfortable going out and playing, where the coach, uh, they they believe in their coach. They believe he has the best interest. in heart and they can just relax and go play. Now, the one thing that I will say that differs from what you said is this. There's always authority. Okay? There's mm-hmm. always authority. Now, what we have learned over the years is is that now your kids understand the authority but they want to know why. Right? The, the the players and the coaches who have a bet, the players and the quarterbacks who have a better understanding of offense because of how they've learned in recent years, because the offenses and the defense have gotten more complicated. Now you say, let's run this play. And they go, why? So it's not that, you know, you have to be a partner with your players. But what you have to do is make them understand why this will be successful. And what they do is, is now you have a quarterback who's smart. They say, well, if you don't like it, we can go to this. Now they have options at the line of scrimmage. So that when they get to the sidelines and start talking about it, it's not a conversation of, I told you to do this, why didn't you do it? Is that what did you see to make you change it to this? Or when we, we read, talked in Thursday,
1: when we were watching film, the linebacker crept up. We knew that slant was going to be behind him, Coach. That's why we made the
0: adjustment. Oh right. God, Leroy, preach it. Right, but but it goes to when a coach comes in and sets an offense or sets a defense and gets out what they're trying to do on each play, and the players understand that. Then when you get a little out of position, you have the autonomy to go out and make some adjustments with the defense to put your players and your team in the right situation. Same thing with quarterbacks. Like the, there's so much movement on defense right now. If you send your team out with one play, you're, sending them at, you're putting them at a disadvantage. The, the, it, the play could work. But if you can give them an option and let the quarterback make the – and here's the thing. There's nev- I've never had a check or an adjustment during a play in a football game that we were not aware of that change during the week. You understand? So that mm-hmm. if we had a pass play and the quarterback could see they were going to drop eight and we went to a run play – Everybody was looking around saying, uh-oh, we about to go to this run. So everybody's on the same page. It's not a shock. You don't see when when Baker makes an adjustment, you don't see a receiver running a slant and he should be running a go. That's good football. That's good coaching. That is where you are as a franchise right now. And you just continue. You continue doing it. You, like don't, Right now, this team should not be afraid of any team in the NFL. Because when it comes down to it, the way you play football makes you about one of the tougher teams in football. And when you go swinging a big stick, you ain't scared of nobody. You may get beat, but you ain't going into the game saying, I hope hope Kansas City don't score a bunch of points. You're going to that game saying, We're going to beat the hell out of them. We're going to bruise them. We're going to batter them. We're going to bang them up. And if they can still score 30, then kudos to them. And that's how that game should be played. But you have to give not only the coaches a lot of credit for getting the message to the players, but the players to have such knowledge of what is going on and what the coach wants that the coach cannot be there. And everything still goes status quo. that's, That's just, that is, if there's anything that the Browns fans should be proud of, is the fact that with all the situations, all the things that would make you say those words, same old Browns, right? With all the reasons, you could come out of last Sunday saying same old Browns. They changed your mind a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> they change. can't tell me if you're a Browns fan and you saw what happened last week. I don't care about the mistakes of Pittsburgh. I'm just looking at what the Browns did, how they did it, how they performed, how they ran the offense, how they executed defensively. You can't say, wow, they're going in the right direction. Where it ends up this year, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know where it's going to end up this year. But you can't tell me that based on where this team started and where this team is right now, that you can't be excited about Browns football right now. Can't tell me that.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a great point here. Um, and we had mentioned this uh, you know, on the game show. Uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously in week 17, um, Pittsburgh obviously sat a bunch of defensive players. They sacked Baker Mayfield four times. Baker Mayfield went into this game going, well, T.J. Watt's playing, Cameron Hayward's playing, I got to play hot potato with this. I mean, like I need to know where the ball is going before it's even in my hands. And he did. Guess what? Yep. Clean as a whistle. Um, And where does that come from? These beautiful little squares all over these zoom glasses. These guys obviously are absorbing what is coming down. We're going to get to one final segment with Leroy here. And I got to be honest, guys, I'm almost forgetting I'm hosting the show because Leroy is kicking it. Um, And I told you I'm a little older, man. I remember Leroy's Rose Bowl. I remember you know leroy's n f l career we're gonna to get to a little more with him as we continue on your Friday lockdown on Browns before we get to a little bit more on kansas City leroy um if anybody notices the twitter handle of mr Leroy horde, there's a mention of three n f l franchises Leroy played for four n f l franchises um so I kinda enjoyed that one um but leroy g- Take us through this. You know, here you are, a guy in your mid twenties, um, and much as you know Donovan Peoples Jones, Jabril Peppers went through it. You went through it. You know that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. But hey, now you're mm-hmm. one of ours. It's all right. We're gonna forget that blue and May. That we're not. I to even remember those days. And then all of a sudden, here you are, winning a playoff game in 1994. And then all of a sudden, you're part of a team that basically. I'm not even going to say his name because it ain't worth the mention, just basically ripped these people's hearts out. And this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I took this game when the Browns were as poor as they were is this fandom is insane. They've never – look, they've always wanted to win, but they never cared about the fact that you know this team wasn't good. Like for a lot of years, a lot of decades, mm-hmm. it was stuck in the mud. It's like they love this. They love this franchise like family. They accept it like an old uncle who drinks too much at holidays and maybe gets a little bit off color with his comments and gets a little rude. And here you guys are. And this was the toughest spot for you and everybody else who wore that uniform, you know, because you essentially were the faces of the franchise. And now you're being taken away from these fans who loved you all so much. And you're going back to a, a city where they had lost their franchise in a similar right. France, it, it, the whole thing was just so crazy. It, just give me a couple thoughts on, you know, being a part of that. And as far as you, like a city, like you grew to be accustomed to Cleveland. You know, right. man, hey, if it snows on game day, that's fine. But Leroy didn't want that in his offseason. But just talk a little bit about the fact that this was your home. These people embraced
0: you. And you almost had to be a part of the fact that you were hurting these fans. Right. Um, it was. It was tough. It was tough because – What you have to understand is, is no matter what's going on in the organization, no matter what's going on in the NFL, the only, uh, the only part of all of that, that the fans interact with is the players. You didn't, you didn't interact with Art model. You didn't Mm -hmm. interact with the NFL. You didn't with, with, you know, Paul Tagliabue or, you know, uh, all the, the 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 managers or GMS or whatever, the only people you interacted with were the coaches and the players. The group of people that had no say so in what was going on. So, for us, who were just as shocked as you were, who were just as disappointed as you are, but oh, had to play a football game on Sunday right and your coach is is getting graded on the job that he does regardless of the situation and you are being graded on uh what's going on regardless of the situation and we went from super bowl hopefuls to like having a bad season and the funny thing about it is this we played the part as well as we could We said the right things. We made it through the season. It was a disappointing season. In the end, the fans said, Thank you, you know, for being there, for playing your games and and for giving us, you know, one last hurrah. Right? The fans were, you know, we understood the fans' perspective or whatever. But then we go to the new city and a lot of us got shipped off. The head coach got fired. Right? I I've never been in a situation where you're doing the right thing by the franchise and then you go to the new city and they get a new girl, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? They get a new (laughs) running back. They go, you know, I've been with the franchise. Everybody knows how I play. Everybody knows what I can do. It's not a shock. It's not a secret. I did it six more years after they got rid of me. So it wasn't me. Right. They just wanted something different new city. We want something different. And so they went and got a different running back. Now it didn't last. And I still, every time I saw, you know, we played the Ravens. I let them know, man, that (laughs) running back you chose instead of me. Where is he? How did he do? They can say Bam Morris. Yeah. I think we all
1: remember where Bam Morris ended up.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't
1: a good situation for Bam
0: Morris. Right. So. So, you know, the one thing I learned about sports, you need guys on your team that may not possess all of the speed in the world, that may not look like the position they play, but you put them on the field and watch the watch the tape, and you know they're going to give you everything that they had. I always wanted to be that guy. First and foremost, because I played in Cleveland. And you play in Cleveland, the only thing they demand of you is effort. I don't care if they go 1-15 or 0-16. They want to leave that stadium paying their money, going, you know what? Those guys are blue-collar like us. And so that's what I learned in Cleveland. And I took that everywhere I went. And guess what? I went to other places. Everybody don't play football like that. You know, when you play on a high power, playing a high power team in, in Minnesota, right? They don't know about that playing in on the dirt and, and, uh, in the old football stadium where half the stadium have to look around the pole to see the game because the stadium is built so crappy. <laughs> right? They don't know about that. They got the nice little indoor stadium with the nice turf. So, yeah. I only knew how to play football one way. And I knew that no matter where I played, if I played that style of football, it would be appreciated. That's the one thing that was expected of Cleveland. So when we left, when we left Cleveland, I was, I didn't know, I was numb. I didn't know, like, I literally would have played every down of NFL football in Cleveland and I would have rolled it out. We in this together. Let's go. But football doesn't work like that. So I was disappointed because I thought that I had failed. You know, one, we got a coach that we thought was a good coach fired. Right? Two, they didn't even want me on the team anymore. So I'm starting to question, wait a minute, what what am I doing? You know, and sometimes you sit back, you just do what you do. You know, somebody told me, you do what you do. And if they don't like it, that's their problem. And that's the way I went on. But uh, uh, every chance I get to go back to Cleveland, I go back. I've never been to Baltimore, right? I wasn't, you know, that's not where I grew up. I became a professional and I grew up in Cleveland. Like, I played more years and had more success in Minnesota. But if you mention my name, where do they say I played football? Cleveland. They don't even remember. They they vaguely remember me playing in Minnesota and I played longer there.
1: Three touchdowns Cleveland. in an NFL playoff game, by the way. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so so I have, you know, it that situation was unfortunate. It was disappointing. Not, I mean, how do you sit in a room with, with your brothers and get through that? It's hard to get through something that you have no control over. You can't fight your way through it. You can't play a great football game and get out of that situation. It's never going away. So it was tough. Look, I understood, you know, everything that was going on, right? I understood that if there was a legitimate stadium in the the making, I'll I'll tell you a story. When I came to Cleveland, we were practicing at uh, Baldwin-Wallace. We didn't even have the own facility yet. We were practicing in Baldwin-Wallace. And they had a diagram in the, in the, uh, when you first walk in of a new football stadium. And they said, in a couple of years, this stadium was going to be built. And we're going to have the best of the best. The very next year, Art Modell built that facility in Berea. All this was done knowing that that stadium was coming. We got Gundarena. we got a baseball stadium, no football stadium. And so when it happened, I was like, whoa, all right. You know, I didn't know, like, I, I, I understood what happened, but it didn't mean I had to like it. But but in the end, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be mad at a person that does what we have to do for his business. I'm not going to. And and you don't, you know whose fault it is. It it it's uh it's uh Joe Robbie's fault. Because Joe Robbie passed away. They had to sell the team quick because they didn't have the money for the inheritance tax. So if you notice, after that point, all the football teams became corporations with CEOs so that it could pass down to their kids. When before that. Before that, before the team moved to Baltimore, all of the football teams were owned by a person. But that shook the whole NFL because Joe Robbie and his family, after he died, they had to sell that team and they sold it pretty cheap to Wayne Huizenga. And that changed the whole landscape of the NFL. That's a backstory that I didn't understand until after the fact. So when Art Modell was trying to position his family and himself so that he would have the money to become a corporation and pass it down to, to his kids and, and so forth and so on, that was part of the reason why that move was made. But it still doesn't make it any less disappointing and heartbreaking uh, to see the fans and how they you know, felt uh, it 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 was it was it was hurtful, and it was it hurt me to see that you know a team that brought them so much joy, and players that brought them so much joy, was bringing them so much disappointment. Even though I had nothing to do with
1: it, oh, it certainly makes it tough. And you know I, that's what I always think about that situation. Oh, um, and I think you put it eloquently. You know, talking about the coaches. And players like yourselves, you know, you were the ones signing the autographs for the kids, you know, right. showing up at a mall, a hardware store when it was opening. Um, you know, obviously, you know, not the people who made the decision to basically, you know, rip these people's hearts out. Uh, we've gotten to talk about uh, Sunday night. Uh, we've gotten to talk about, you know, the Chiefs and the possibility that it's there, especially when you're riding high with getting your head coach back, getting some key players back. Not only are you riding this wave. You got some you got some better players coming in here who haven't been a part of this for a little bit of a while. Just a great, great situation. Uh Leroy Horde uh obviously does a fantastic job with his radio show uh down in South Florida. Um and look, you can see it, you know, Leroy Horde, you know, the travels around the NFL. Um, we can certainly uh feel and understand in his voice, in his words, how he identifies himself as you know part of the uh the Cleveland Browns. And <clears throat> this is, seems to be the one where. Leroy seems to uh you know put this together and and understand that that was the calling card and it was just a different different time for him. Leroy, I just want to thank you I was, we're getting short on time um, this was everything I thought it would be and then maybe some sprinkles and a little hot syrup on top <laughs> um, all that stuff. Leroy, I appreciate it. I tell you what sir this works out as well as it does maybe on Sunday. We might just have to kick it up a notch again and maybe we'll do it again next week.
0: Oh 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 are you kidding me? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> if, the, if the Browns beat Kansas City, oh my goodness.
1: All if, right, if, folks, if, you, if, heard it. you heard 30, it. You 30, heard 30 something
0: it. years for last time they played in the uh AFC championship game.
1: Man, I'm gonna be an arrogant son of a gun.
0: Wait, and I hope it's Baltimore. Woo!
1: Woo! 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 Why not? Why not? All right, folks, this has been Lifetime Browns, Mr. Leroy Horde. Y'all know. Uh, make sure you check everything out. Obviously, the radio show. Check them out on social media. I don't think Leroy, uh, he can't control himself, right, as the rest of us. This has been your daily delivery of all things dollar Pound. LGB on the yellow